Today, I'm starting a new series. Come on. Yeah. It's a series that we've entitled Born For More. How many of you know you're born for more? You're born for greatness. You're born for increase. You're born for God to show Himself strong in you and through you on your behalf. You are born for God to be glorified in you and through you. I'm so excited about this series. <laughs> I have to calm myself down sometimes. Not often, I just let myself fly out, but this is a time I need to keep it together. Um, I'm going to be, over the next few weeks, isn't this year going quick? <laughs> oh man, I'm just thinking, dear God, we're nearly at summer. I'm going to be preaching this through till nearly summer. It's just amazing. We got Dr. Dave Martin coming. Come on. Boom. Some other people as well. Rick Godwin's going to be coming. Some of you remember Rick Godwin. Uh, just some great things going on. But anyway, over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through one of the most inspirational lives, one of the most inspirational accounts I believe you can find in the Bible. How many of you know there's some great stuff in the Bible? There's some, there are some life stories. There are some just great people. There are some people that just really annoy you. Yeah, some people I want to get to heaven just so I can have a go at them. Do you know what I mean? He's going like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. Those three friends of Job. I mean, they need someone to talk to them, don't they, really? But there's, there's some guys in the Bible and some ladies, of course. Guys, is, is that male and female term? It is, isn't it? So just, just hang in there. If I say guys, it's anybody and everything, all right? There's some guys in the Bible who you really want to shake them by the hand and say, thank you for your life. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you stood for. Thank you for the, the stand you made when all hell was against you. You were the, you know, the guy who fought in the lentil patch. And his sword cleaved to his arm. Couldn't let go of it because he was so committed to defending what God had given him. You know, you think of the big ones, Abraham and what, and what he did. Thank God he left Haran and moved out when his family all stayed there and died off. And he said, no, I'm not staying here and dying off. I know there's been a tragedy, but I'm moving out. I'm going to get on because there's greater things. I'm born for more than this. Born for more. Than, the, than just sort of ending. I'm going to finish my race. I'm not just going to end. I'm not just going to fade away. I thank God for Joshua's and I thank you for Caleb's. These people who said, no, give me the mountain, even though he was 85 years old and said, I'm not settling for anything less than what God has promised me and given me. Think of the prophets who had to stand and often speak into a nation that had often turned its heart away from God. And they had to stand there and they had to speak and be the odd one out. 
I thank God for the apostles who, who were just so committed and even though they were fearful when Christ was crucified, when he was raised from the dead, tongues of fire, we were singing about it earlier. They were baptised with a fresh boldness and a confidence and they stood and they preached to the known world the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and King and he died and he's been raised from the dead. So often paying the ultimate price and you know, giving their lives for the sake of the gospel so we could be here today. And there are some people in the Old Testament that you know, they just have a, a verse or two. But the guy we're going to be thinking about in the next couple of months is someone who's got three chapters. Well, he started in one chapter and went across two chapters. His name's Gideon. Gideon, who had so many issues, so many insecurities, so many challenges, and yet he came through as being a deliverer for God, for the people of Israel. Something happened on the inside of him which caused him to step into a whole new season in his life where he discovered he was born for more. And I really want to stand today and believe God today that in this incredible season we're in as a church, in the most incredible things that are taking place, I'm hearing some really outstanding testimonies of people getting healed at the moment. It's just great. We always believe in healing. And you always stand that it happens and you pray and you lay hands on people and God does wonderful things. But you know what? God, God is showing himself strong at this time. But you know what? It's my prayer at this time that we don't just have a great time and a good time and a fun time and a, you know, the buzz and the vibe in the church. I believe that God wants to say to us at this time, we are born for more. And there are great things ahead of us. I'd like to start by reading a verse from Isaiah. This is in the middle of a, a passage that normally gets read at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And, you know, that sort of whole Christmas bit, the whole prophetic thing that Isaiah had about the Lord Jesus Christ coming. But in the middle, we have a couple of verses. Here we are, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 3 to 5. You have multiplied the nation, and you've increased its joy. How many of you know God's God of increase? I'm so happy that God's not a God of decrease. Psalm 115, I think it is, it, it says, you know, God is the God of increase for us and our children. God thinks generationally. God thinks generationally. I was having a chat with somebody just yesterday. It was my son, actually. Uh, not just someone, it was my son. And um, he, thank you, darling. Thank you. And um, it's all right, that's the only lady I can call darling. Well, the odd one or two when I'm driving... Darling, get out of the way, darling. But um, I was having a chat with Chris saying, the older you get, now, you know, I hate sounding like an old man. You know what I, do you know what I mean? The older you get, the more you realise it's about the stuff you pass on, not just what you've done. Hello? You know, there's that whole transition. When I was young, I thought, when I was a child, I thought as a child, now I'm old, I'm not declaring I'm old, by the way. But now I'm older, I think differently. And it's about stuff you can pass on to people. What you've learned. And, and you know, what Ben was awesome earlier. 
Flipping heck, man alive, that offering was outstanding. Anyway, I was speaking to, to Chris and just saying about how, how God's, you know, God's God of increase. He wants us to increase and he wants us to be able to pass stuff on and leave stuff behind. It's not about look what I've built, it's look what is being built. Exciting things, I think of King David and about how God said, you're not going to build the temple. And he said, no problem. I'm going to keep running though. I'm going to keep preparing everything. My son can do it. Exciting days we're in when the body of Christ is being passed on father to son, father to son, father to son. There is a generation in the kingdom of God that never stops. Never stops. This is exciting and, you know, goes from glory to glory. From faith to faith. And God's the God of increase. He wants this thing to go on. He wants it to get bigger and to get greater. To see more people come to Christ. To see our nation influenced. To get away from the 2.8% of people that currently attend church in the United Kingdom. And make that 3.8% and 4% and 5% and 10%. And see God move in our nation. And see the churches overflowing. I don't care what denomination. Let's just fill the lot of them. Amen. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're replying right now. Amen. Thank you very much. That was a very singy, songy amen. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. Everybody say the joy of harvest. Come on, say it with some guts. The joy of harvest. Okay, as men rejoiced when they dis. Um, Divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Remember that name. For every warrior's sandal from the heat of the battle, the noisy battle, the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. You can see now why we don't read that at Christmas. It's not really a Christmas morning verse, is it really? But I want to declare some stuff into Citygate Church at this time. You know, God puts a vision on the heart of a person and we're all serving that vision. Sharon and I are serving the vision. We're all serving the vision. We're doing whatever we can to see what God wants to come to pass actually happen. We're all serving the vision, but I want to declare some stuff into the life of Citygate at this time. I know this year we've, you know, we've, declared and we prayed to be a time of greater glory. But that has so many facets to it. But today I want to sort of prophesy out, I suppose I'm not a prophet, but sort of speak out and speak into the life of the church. I want to declare a time of harvest in Jesus' name. I want to declare a time of uh, freedom from oppression. I want to declare a time of greater joy. And I want to declare a time of victory in the middle of every battle. Yeah, yeah. In the verses we've just read, it's those four things that God is committed to. He's committed to harvest. He's committed to uh, freedom. He's committed to greater joy and he's committed to victory. And it's something that God gets involved in. Aren't you glad God works with us and we work with God? It's not a one-man one show. God doesn't work independently of his body and we certainly must not ever work independently of God. But together, these things can come to pass. 
One translation of this verse at the very end says, the boots of the invading army and all of their blood-stained clothing. So I know this is not a very you know, positive thing at the moment. It's a bit sort of gruesome. But, um, and it says, all their, all their clothing that's stained in blood will be destroyed by fire. We're in a time of victory. We're in a time of great advancement as a church. And we, just in that verse that we've just read, we read about burdens being removed, yokes being destroyed. If you add that in with Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says those things are done and accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit, who we've been singing about this morning, (laughs) Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I believe what He wants to do more than anything is lead people to Jesus Christ and destroy yokes and remove burdens. Set people free. To bring them into an abundance of life that they've never experienced before that can only ever be experienced in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It says all these things happen as in the day of Midian. What is that referring to? Well, that is referring to the time of Gideon. See, when God refers to something, he wants us to particularly take note of that thing. Saying, I'm a God of harvest, I'm a God of overcoming authority, power, joy, harvest, all these things, just like I was when I raised up Gideon. So we're going to spend the next few weeks going through some of the keys that we find in the life of Gideon to see how God, through us, is going to be the God of the harvest, yeah? Through us, he's going to be the God of joy, the God of of victory, and the God of uh, freedom. So let us all turn back to Judges chapter 6. And in just in the short time we have today, we're going to start on this story, this account of this incredible deliverer, a man called Gideon. So we're going to go back to Judges chapter 6. And before we get into the life of Gideon, we need to lay a bit of a foundation. We need to give the context of this man Gideon. What time was he alive? What was going on for God to want to raise this man up? What happened for Gideon to be called to the forefront to lead the people of God into victory? So we're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 12. It's quite a chunk of scripture. And um, then following on from this in the next few weeks, we're going to get in more into the person of Gideon. But for the sake of context, let's read this. It says, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. How many of you know that's never a good thing to do? (laughs) That's never a positive start to a chapter. Wouldn't it have been great? And the children of Israel were wonderful and loving God with their heart, soul and strength. But that's not what was happening here. These guys were getting it severely wrong. Now, just to encourage us, that's not what we're saying over Citygate Church right now. Okay? We're in a good place. It's all good. Okay? But for the children of Israel, it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's bad news. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Dear God, that's a long time. Seven years. How many of you know seasons come and seasons go? There was another time, seven thin cows and seven fat cows, seven fat cows and seven thin cows. You know, seven years is a long time. There was a guy who wanted to marry someone in the Bible. And he said, you can have my daughter if you work for seven years. He went, not a problem. She's gorgeous. 
So he worked for seven years. Seven years. Got married. Woke up the next day, found he married the wrong one. I just, I, I still can't get my head around that. I think he found out earlier and thought he'd pretend till the morning anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Just bad, isn't it, really? <laughs> Worked for seven years for the wrong one. So he said, you can have the other one for another seven years' work. You're seven years. So anyway, Israel, I must get on. And everybody said, amen, yeah. Seven years. And these enemies prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves, strongholds in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown their seed, up comes the enemy. Also the Amalekites, the people from the east, would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy all the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming as numerous as the locusts. It says both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of these enemies and the Israel cried out to the Lord and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the enemies that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel and said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you out from the house of bondage and I delivered you out from the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I also said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites who dwell, uh, in whose land you dwell. He said, but you've not obeyed the voice. You've not obeyed my word. Isn't it amazing? Whenever we come to God, God often wants to remind us of what he's already done in our lives. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord who has, who has, who has healed, who has forgiven, who has crowned you. I mean, God is the God who we can look back and we can see such incredible things that God has done in our lives. And I want to encourage us here today, no matter what you're going through, perhaps you feel like you're, you're, you're stuck in a cave or you're in a den or you've had to you know, retreat in some way. I don't know how long they'd lived in caves, but for seven years, these guys have been under oppression. For seven years, every time they sowed, their harvest was stolen. For seven years, every time they believed God again, and they put it in the ground and they believed, God, this year we're going to get a harvest. And the enemy came in and they had to flee again and they, was, and they had all their harvest stolen. I don't know if that's your testimony this morning. I don't know if you've been in that for six months or six years. But whatever it is, God wants to remind you today that Jesus Christ died on the cross to live on the inside of you, to give you victory, to give you authority, to give you power and to give you a hope and a future. And no matter what you think you're going through, the best is yet to come. God will deliver you. He will set you free. He will come through. For seven years, I don't know if the first year, they fought back. They obviously lost. And then... I don't know how often their harvests were. I know they're different harvests at a different time of the year. Let's say six months later, another harvest comes out. 
And they fought again to try to keep their harvest and the enemy came and defeated them. So the next year, perhaps they didn't fight as hard. Perhaps the next year, perhaps a couple of years down the road, they thought we're not even going to try to fight. Let's just retreat into the caves. And how do you know the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick? But there is also a great passage in the Word of God that says your hope will not be cut off. What you're standing for, what you're believing for, for surely there is a latter end, the Bible says, and your hope will not be cut off. And I want to really speak into the lives of people today. At the start of this new series, you were born for more and your harvest has not been so consumed that God cannot restore it to you. The Bible says he will even restore to us the years the locusts have eaten. Yeah, I mean, it compares these people to the locusts. It says they came in. Have you ever seen those, those, those uh, what's the word, uh, films, the thing on locusts? There's Mr. Attenborough. I always forget if it's David or Richard. Which one's the? David Attenborough. The other one was the actor, wasn't it? So David. And here we have the locust. Let's see what it can do. <laughs> Strip everything. Eat. Have you ever seen them come seriously? <sighs> Perhaps you feel that's your life right now. Perhaps you can look back and you can see a trail of devastation. I don't want to paint this so big. Perhaps you can look back and everything's gone wrong. No, I'm not. But you know what? Our God is the God who can restore the years that those locusts have eaten. No matter what we're talking about, perhaps it's family stuff, perhaps it's financial stuff, perhaps it's health in your body, perhaps it's relational. Whatever it is, God is the God who can come in and restore and renew and replenish because our God is the God of the harvest. He's the God of the harvest. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah and that belonged to Joash uh, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. What a great place to thresh wheat <laughs> in hiding. In order to hide it from the enemies, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Why don't you turn to someone and say, The Lord is with you? You mighty man of valor. Come on, look at another four people and say, the Lord is with you. You mighty man of valor. Okay. <laughs> the Lord is with you. See, the enemies came to devour two things, the harvest and the land. So they devoured the land and they devoured the harvest. God's calling on Israel, you can find this all the way back through the Old Testament, especially Deuteronomy 11, Deuteronomy 28, the, the heart of God and the calling on Israel was for Israel to be fruitful, to bear great fruit. He said, come into a land overflowing with milk and honey. Your harvests are going to be plentiful. You're going to have carrots the size of your arm. Grapes, when they went into the promised land, bunches of grapes that were just awesome. And you know, the promise of God for us, the promise of God for the church, promise of God for his sons and daughters is for great harvest. 
for great harvest, the most incredible, overflowing, outrageous harvest in our lives. And yet here we find Israel, and to quote the verse earlier, it says they were greatly impoverished. They were not living in any way, shape or form in that which God had promised them. In fact, there were fights going on. There were battles. This enemy was coming in like the locust and just completely consuming everything. And I want us, I want us to understand this today, that there are going to be some great battles that we have to fight. I know we normally come to Citygate and it's all very, very positive, very good, you know, but I want to say there are going to be some great battles that we need to fight. In fact, the greatest of battles that you will ever fight will be in three areas. The first area is this. The greatest battles you will ever have to fight will always be over certain things that the enemy want to contest. They want to resist. The first one is the land that you are to occupy. The land that God's got for you. Can I say your territory? What God has got for you to occupy. What is your space that God has given you? What is it in this world that God has said, you know what? I'm giving that to you. I'm not just talking about a physical piece of land here. I'm talking about your territory. Your land, your promised land. We know that's the kingdom of God and eternal life. We understand all of that. But what is it that God has got for you? Is it influence in the media? Is that your land? Is it influence in education? Is that your land? Is it influence in the government? Is that your land? You know, there are seven pillars of our, of our society, as it were, that hold things up. Education and religion and the government um, and the media and the arts. And I can't remember the others off the top of my head. But there are seven. We're all called, all of us, each and every one of us are called to influence in one of the areas of society. Finance. What's the land that God has given you? What's the land that God has given you to occupy? Because when you identify the land you are to occupy, there is going to be a battle over that land. There's going to be a fight for it. We find this even in the life of Jesus Christ. He came, son of the living God, the word made flesh, born of a virgin for 33, uh, for 30 years. You know, he was, he was there. He didn't really function in any way as the, as the redeemer and the savior. He, he, you know, he grew up into all things, was perfect in every way. When he was 30 years old, heavens opened, he was baptized. God said, this is my son. Didn't take five minutes and there was a fight over his life. He was taken out into the desert where he fasted and prayed and was, was really getting hold of God. The Bible says when he came back from that, he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. This was the launching time of his life. And I believe in some ways, we've been going for 21 years as a church, but in some ways, this is a launching into a new season. It's a new time. It's a new day. There's awesome things taking place and God is opening doors of favour that, that are just absolutely incredible and we're seeing people come to Christ. But you know what? In that, there are going to be three battles and the first one is going to be over your land. What's the territory that God has given you? For Jesus, the Bible says he was out there in the, dev, in the, in the, in the sand dunes, the desert, and up comes the enemy. 
It says the devil came. We don't often talk about the devil here at Citygate Church. We love to talk about Jesus. But, you know, the Bible says the devil came and it says it took him up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, showed him the land and said, if you compromise, I'll give it to you. Wow. You know, there are two ways to get your land. The right way and the wrong way. The right way and the wrong way. There's God's way and then there's another way. Let's not be people who compromise to get the results that we're going for. Hello? Come on, this is good preaching today. You were there. Yeah. I'm going to retreat right now. I'm going to go back here. <laughs> What's the second thing that's going to be a great battle over your life? The second thing is this, the person that you are to be. See, because the person you are to be is the purpose, who you are, what God has made you to be. Not just for you to do and the land you're going to occupy, but you as a person, me as a person. There's going to be a battle over my life and over your life. And it's got to be a battle we are determined to win. Again, you look at Jesus. He was taken out there into the desert. and, Or actually, he went out into the desert and then the enemy showed up. And it says, the enemy took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said this, question this, if you are the son of God, if you are, what was he, he was fighting about the land and he was really, there was a battle there to compromise in order to get fame or whatever it was. But, but here he's saying, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off of this and the angels will pick you up. If you are who you say you are. And there will be a battle on. When you discover who you are in Christ, there is going to be a confrontation. The enemy is going to be saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? This is what happened with Gideon. We're going to find out. I'm the least. I'm the smallest. I'm useless. I'm just a nobody. Who do you think you are? That's what was addressed to Jesus. Who do you think? If you are who you say you are, then prove it. The person you are, the person you are to become, the journey that we're all on, of course, to be more Christ-like and to all of, all of those things, but your purpose in life. We talk a lot in this church about know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. And absolutely central, in fact, all of those are central, but absolutely central is for us to discover our purpose. Who am I? What has God called me to be? And when we start to rise up and get stirred up, you see, these people were in caves. They were living in dens. They'd forgotten who they were. They didn't realize who they were, that there was a, a, a promise in the Word of God that says, you are blessed. Your enemies will come before you one way and flee seven ways. They'd forgotten who they were. They didn't realize over seven years it had been ground down to a place of defeat. And, uh, you know, perhaps God wants to say to you this morning, I know who you are. You are a son of the living God. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the country. You're blessed as you come in and blessed as you go out. You are anointed with fresh oil. You are filled with the Spirit of God. You have the mind of Christ. You are filled with the Word of God. You are loved by God. You are accepted by God. You are included in the beloved. You are a part of the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. It's who you are. 
You are a son. You are a daughter of the living God. And no one can take you out of my hand. You have eternal life on the inside of you. Wow. There's going to be a a fight over that identity. And the third thing that are the greatest battles that we will ever face is over this third thing, and that is the fruit that we are to bear. The fruit that we are to bear. Can I say this? Your assignment. I know it says up there, the grace. That's wrong. I, I, I changed that. I didn't tell the notes, people. It's your assignment. What you're to produce. What I'm to produce. See, when I stand before God, I don't want to stand there and say, oh God, what a great life I had. I want to stand there and say, look at all the fruit I was able to bear. The fruit, the good fruit. You see, we are called to be fruitful. Our lives are to bear fruit. I've already said that, you know, the older you get, the more you think about what you can pass on. But every minute of every day is to be a fruitful minute. Bearing fruit in some way. I can remember years and years ago, Bob Harrison, um, known Bob for 25 years, and he said something. He said, you got to think of your life, your days, as like a train with 24 you know, carriages in the back of this engine, or you know, 23 in the engine or whatever. You know, think of your day like that. Every compartment can either be filled with gold, silver and precious stones. Let's be scriptural here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Gold, silver and precious stones, or perhaps those compartments can be full of wood, hay and straw. What are you going to fill your, your compartments with? We don't want to get all intense about time management that every minute of every day has got to be like intense. But the fact is God's called us to be fruitful, to bear fruit. Now we know the only way to bear fruit is to abide in the vine, but God has called us to be fruitful. What did the enemy say to Jesus? He said, command these stones that they be turned into bread. Can I just say there's only one way to get bread and that is to sow seed and grow a harvest to be fruitful and to produce something. There are too many people who want the shortcut in life. Command these stones to be made into bread. Pastor Jay, I'm praying for a promotion. Are you any good at your job? Do you turn up on time? Well, on time is too late. You want a promotion? Get there early. You want a promotion? Then carry the weight. Take the responsibility. Be there to support your employer. Don't criticize people. Don't be like everybody else in the tea room and you're gossiping. Hello? Be an example. And then we're not having to pray for a miracle of a stone to be turned into bread. Good preaching. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. We don't want stones turned into bread. We want to sow some seed, grow some wheat, do what it takes and produce something. Produce something. We don't want the act of God We want the harvest. I know that's a challenge to some of our theology sometimes. God is more committed to harvest than he is to miracles. Come on, good preaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those are the three greatest battles that we will ever have. I want to say again, we are born for more. Today's been an introductory message. 
laying a foundation. We're going to get into some great stuff about Gideon. Real victory and victorious stuff. And wow, isn't it amazing? And trumpets and pitchers and torches and foxes and all sorts of stuff. It's going to be great. And there's a bit in it which I'm really excited about. 300 guys. 300. They started with like 10,000. Got down to 300. 300 got the victory. See, if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he who's in us. More are for us than are for them. There's so many things we're going to be you know, finding out. So often we put our trust in all the stuff around us when actually God and me is a majority. Very exciting. But today was a, a foundational preach, if I can have the band up, please. For us to understand this, we are born for more. Born for more than cave dwellers. Amen? Born for more than lack of harvest. Born for more than discouragement and frustration and rejection. Born for more. What are we born for more of? Just a couple of things as we close. Number one, we are born for more of God. More of God. We're a church here and we understand that we've got all of God. You don't just get a little bit of God when you give your life to Jesus. He fills us with himself. All of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of somebody when they say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior and come and transform my life. Do something in me and I turn from the way I've lived and I give my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross. You know the score. Those You give your life to Jesus Christ and the Bible says he comes and he gives you a brand new heart. And at that point, we are filled with the person of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we know we're filled with God and it's like, God, you've come and made your home on the, you knocked and I opened the door and you came in and I'm a, I'm a Christian now. I'm a believer. I've given my life to you because you died for me and we're filled with God. But never let that create an attitude that says, I've got enough of God. Hello? I've got enough of God. Even though we have all of God, I want more of God. Do you want more of God? I want more of God. I want more of Him in my life. I want more of His character, you know, through my personality. I want more of His love pouring through me to people around me. I want more of His spirit of faith. Dear God, we understand faith in this place. We give me a mountain, we'll move it. It's who we are, and yet I want more of the spirit of faith to saturate me. I want more of his joy. It's great to sing and shout and rejoice. And you know what? God wants to turn the knob up on that one. Sometimes look around in the church and, you know, there's an awesome presence and, and, you know, there's just sort of, I don't know. And you think we can push in more. We can press in more and the shout of faith is more like a yup instead of a yes. You know there's more of God available. There's more of God. This next season is not going to be a season where we just, what's the word? Gaze at our navels. 
sort of, oh God, I want more of you. No, we're not going introverted. We're going extroverted. Because you know how you get more of God? By giving more of God away to people around us. The more we give, the more we flow. The more we love, the more love we experience. The more we give joy to other people, the more joy we experience ourselves. There is more of God. The greatest satisfaction in our life comes from our relationship with God. And as we have more of God, you know what else we're born for more of? We're born for more fruit. More fruit. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And then there's a whole load of great promises and blessings. And it says, he bears fruit in his season. Bears fruit. God is wanting fruit. In Psalm 92, if you're making notes, verses 10 to 14, we're not going to read them all, but... It says this, those who are planted in the house will bear fruit. There is a correlation between our, our heart for the kingdom of God and the house of God, the church, being part of a local church. This is why our small groups are so important. 36 small groups. We're going to hit 50 in the next few months. It's going to be awesome. Perhaps some of you should leave one. It's, it's great. Get your friends around. It's a small group. As long as it, I mean, it needs to be structured a little bit, but... We've got a men's film night. Come on. What else have we got for the guys? Basketball. Arnie's jamming. He makes jam. Strawberry jam. It's awesome. Is that not what we meant? Oh, music jam. Cycling group. Guys, we need more groups for guys. We've got a lot of groups. Start a Bible study. Start a prayer meeting. Start whatever you want. Watch a film. Just get together. Those who are planted in the house will bear fruit. Hosea 10 verse 12 says this. Break up your fallow ground. Your fallow ground. Get the plough out. Perhaps it's time to do some ploughing in our lives. Why? Because harvest is coming. John 15 verses 1 to 8. Abiding in the vine and bearing much fruit. Much fruit. You know what? To live a life of fruitfulness is the greatest way to live. Fruit for our own lives and fruit in other people's lives. Did you get anything out of that today? Yeah. It's, it's my expectation that this next season is a season of harvest is a season of freedom, is a season of greater joy, and a season of great victory. You know what God wants us to do with that sort of a, a word? He wants us to receive it. He wants us to lay hold of it. He wants us to grab it with two hands and say, yes, Lord, in my life. Come on, let's stand to our feet today, shall we? And we're just going to respond to this very quickly as a church. Come on, Holy Spirit, we've sung so many times today. We make room. We make way. We're here for you. We, we have come for you. Lord Jesus, we honour you as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Head of the Church. 
You're the head of the body of the Christ. You're, a, you're everything to us. We honour you. We love you today. We bless you, Jesus. We want to live for you. Our Saviour, our Lord. And Lord, we want to say how hungry we are today for more of you, more fruit. Lord, we're up for the battle. Lord, to lay hold of our land, to be the person you want us to be and to bear the fruit that you've called us to bear. We thank you, Lord. This is a great day to be alive. Exciting days lie ahead. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Just right now with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in this place and, you know, we offer every week for people to come to Christ and give your life to Christ. But today, you know what? I want, us, I want to ask you this question. And this is just between you and God right now. Do you feel like you're living in a cave? Do you feel like you've retreated and you were out there on the battlefront and then something started to change and you were sowing and your harvest has gone? It's not there like it was. And I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm just going through a rough time. That's not what I'm talking about. And we're not a church who talks about the rough times in that sort of a way. But if you, if you are here today and you're saying, you know what? I'm a cave dweller right now. I'm a cave dweller. That's where I've come to in my life. All I'm going to ask you to do right now, and I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forwards today, but what I am going to do is ask you to just raise your hand in this place. Say, come on, it's time to get out of the cave. Just right now with every eye closed. Come on, every head bowed. God bless you. God bless you. I know there's people responding here. We're not going to make a... God bless you. God bless you. Come on, God wants you out of the cave today. Don't stay in your cave. It's time to say, you know what? I'm coming out of the cave. The Bible says there was a season in my life where I feel like horses have, have, have uh, trampled all over me. But you brought me out and into a large place of rich fulfillment. Come on, the best is yet to come. Is there anybody else here today? Let's all just lift our hands to God, shall we? And we're going to pray all together. And we're going to agree for this new season in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now, by your power and by your grace, I speak deliverance and freedom. A new day. Holy Spirit, inspire hope right now. Lord, that you are going to raise up some Gideons in this place. Who may have been threshing wheat in the wine press, but Lord, it's a new day. Father, we thank you for it, Lord. Holy Spirit, right now, by your power, by your grace, we declare for freedom. In Jesus' name. Let's all say this. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You've not designed me to live in a cave, but to live on the mountaintop, in your presence, empowered by your Spirit, living in the victory, trampling on every serpent and scorpion. In Jesus' name. I take my stand right now. I refuse to live in a cave. I come out into your abundance, into your freedom, into your future for my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise in this place.